be good soil for the truth of your word. More than just what I say, let it be your Holy Spirit that reveals revelation and truth. That won't just be information, but it'll be transformation that happens. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats this morning, church. Thanks, team. One more morning this morning, we have our children with us in church, and so we don't want to leave them out in any way, so we have a worksheet for them, so you're welcome to go back and grab that, and the PowerPoints will be on the screens for you to jot down the words and the scriptures that I'll be using this morning. Next week, Children's Church starts again out the back, so parents just be aware of that. It'll all be happening again, and uh, of course, last week of holidays, this week, isn't it? I want to read just 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21 again, if I can, please. Because I want us to get something in our hearts. I believe God wants to encourage us this morning with these truths. It just says, but as God is faithful, our word, this is Paul speaking. The reason Paul's speaking is, is because these new Christians at Corinth had actually um, uh, been upset with Paul. Because Paul had said to them, I'm going to come to, through Macedonia and I'm going to visit your church. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 7, he says that. He says, if God, you know, according to God's will. And he didn't do it. He had to delay him, his, his timing with them. And so they got upset. And they started to question Paul and say, are you the kind of guy that says yes, but really means no? And so now Paul, in the very first chapter of the second letter he wrote to these new Christians, that's why he's saying this. And he, but in the midst of saying that to the new Christians, he actually draws out an incredible truth about our Heavenly Father. So it says, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. He's saying, I didn't lie to you, it's just that I had to delay my coming to you. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has preached among us, preached among you by us and by Silvius and Timothy was not yes and no but in him was yes for all the promises come on for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God I love verse 20 for all the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes and amen a yes and so let it be I uh Love that thought. Every promise that God's ever made is yes and amen. You may say, well, I know that. But sometimes I think as people, we become so familiar with our God in the sense that we could, not familiar in that we spend a lot of time, but just too familiar in that we know He's there, in that we sometimes forget the reality of that His promises are for us in all good times and all bad times. They're there always. And let's never take our Heavenly Father for granted. Would you agree? His promises are there all the time. Not just when we're in a struggle, but it's good when we're in a struggle because sometimes we then get to the point where we remember that we need to trust Him. I was recently traveling into India three weeks ago. And for some reason in my mind, I had this concern. It wasn't a big concern. It was just a little concern. It was a little concern that when I got to the international airport in Mumbai, when I came out, that no one would be there for me to pick me up. And I don't know why it kept on bugging me, but it just kept on bugging me. I never told anybody. And so 
when I landed in Mumbai International Airport, it kind of read its, those thoughts read up again. I thought, because oh. we had organized several, like a month ago, that someone would be there. We weren't quite sure, but someone would be there through the missionary Roger Saunders, that someone, some dear, precious Indian Christian brother would be there. And so I had these thoughts as I'm walking through the corridors, the international airport, and coming to the, uh, checking through customs, etc., etc. And, and, you know, on these thoughts, oh, will someone be there? Because, you know, Mumbai is 25 million people. It's the population of Australia. So if someone doesn't pick me up, I'm going to have a little bit of trouble trying to find someone I recognize. And all these thoughts started to bombard me. And so I go through customs and that all went, I got cleared, my visa was okay, and I come out through the main doors of the international airport and, and there we have uh, lots of faces on the other side of a fence, or railing I should say, and they've all got name all got placards with people's names on them. I thought, oh, this is a good start. My name should be there. So I guarantee I walked five times up and down that line and my name was not there. Don't feel sorry for me. It's okay. (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, my worst fear has come to pass. The Bible actually says in Job, your fears will come upon you. Don't allow your fears to overtake you. And it was right then I said to God, I don't need to be reminded of that verse. But that's the reality. <laughs> so I walked up and down. My name is not there. I felt a bit conspicuous because, you know, I'm a white face and many precious brown faces. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And so I kind of parked myself about halfway on this long line. And I thought, I'm going to make some phone calls. So I got my mobile phone out. And I'm aware that it's, you know, don't ring too much. It's going to cost a packet. But I thought, I'll ring Roger. He didn't answer. I thought, I'll ring his wife in Australia. She didn't answer. I thought, God, I am not enjoying this moment. (laughs) So I walked up and down again for several times. And I couldn't see my name. I went back to my little posse in halfway point and I thought, what am I going to do? I took out some documentation. I tried to find some numbers I could ring. I'm thinking, God, how am I going to make my way to the missionary at Roger Saunders? You know, because it's not in Mumbai that I eventually need to end up. I need to end up in, in, in the state of Gujarat in a little village out there in the middle of India. And that's where I've got to go. How am I going to get there? And, you know, who knows in the difficult times you have a lot of questions. Who knows that you struggle sometimes? Who knows that? You do, and you've got questions, and you're saying, God, if God, if you are with me, song we've just sang, isn't it a great statement? Man of faith and flower, that's what I was. Uh, is, if you were with me, God, this wouldn't have happened. You know, the guy would be there, I'd see his face, he'd have my name, everything would be rosy. I'd jump in the car and away we'd go, but it is not happening as I wanted it to. And you know, sometimes in life, that's what happens. We sometimes think, oh God, you were with me, this would happen. But you know, circumstances, does, just bad circumstances does not mean that God's not with you. It's because we often, in the midst of the struggle, can forget and become too familiar in life about our God being with us and the promise that he'll always be with us. And we forget that promise. And it's not until we run into a problem, a circumstance, a little issue that we sometimes have to force ourselves to remember that and say, God, yeah, okay. And it's not that God isn't with us. It's just that sometimes I think struggles, and it's not that God causes the struggle. I just think that struggle sometimes can remind us and jolt us back into faith again. God, I can't trust. I'm going to trust you, God. 
And so I added a little prayer of, God, I've got to trust you. It's okay. And so I'm looking at pieces of paper in my suitcase and I'm, you know, thinking of numbers I can ring and I just, and I'm crouched down beside my bag and I look up and there is this incredible man from India, the biggest smile on his face, actually there was two of them and he had my name on a placard and right then I thought, God, you are alive still. (laughs) About 25, 30 minutes later, mind you, but it's okay. God sell them early, but never late. And so he came from behind the barrow, and I went to this barrow. I didn't know the guy, but he gave me the biggest hug, and I just I enjoyed it. I, it was, I mean, he was, like a, he was like a hot fudge sundae on a hot day, I tell you. I melted in his arms, and I thought, thank you, God. And obviously, he was a Christian. It better be. I'm hugging someone. <laughs> anyway... So uh, he, ha- he had a fairly good grasp of the English language, and we talked, and he, says, he said to me, I've been standing there for five minutes. He didn't say it that way. He just said, oh, I've been there for five minutes, and we were hoping you'd look up. I said, I'm sorry. I was so consumed and worried about my situation. And you know what? I tell you what, God's always there. But we get so focused on the problem, we forget that God is just standing right there beside us. And the reason I want to talk to you this morning is because the promises of God are yes and amen to us. They're yes and amen. When did we forget that? Maybe you haven't this morning. Maybe you have. And some of the problems we face is not because God causes them, but they can be used by God to jolt us into the reality that we need to stand with the Heavenly Father again. And we need to take up our faith levels and say, God, you haven't left us. Your promise is yes. And it's not no. It's all you've never left us. It's just that I feel it's often because I've left you. I've stepped back from you. It's yes and amen. And as I started to contemplate the the promises, there's three things that I really needed to know that day. And number one, I needed the promise to know the promise of his peace. Number two, I needed to know the promise of his presence. Number three, I needed to know the promise of his provision for me. And if there's three things that God promises over and over and again from the Old to the New Testament parts of the Bible, he promises those three things all the time. That his peace will go with us, that his presence will be with us, and his provision will always be there. Sandy spoke of provision this morning. We've sang about his presence never leaving us nor forsaking us. So let's for a moment just remind ourselves today that of our Heavenly Father, of his presence, of his peace, and of course of his provision. In in the 1870s, the Canadian government wanted to build a railway line from the east coast of Canada, um, right, try and get it across to the west coast, or at least get it to British Columbia, which is the furthest west state of, of um, Canada, one of the, on the western seaboard. So they wanted to build a railway line, and they got all the architects and all the engineers in place. Remember, this is the 1870s, and they planned it out. There was one thing they had to deal with before they built this railway line. They had to deal with the reality that there was a whole bunch of, of um, North American Indians that had tribal lands right where they wanted to plant their railway line. And so they went and approached the, the, the biggest of the biggest chiefs, and his name was Crowfoot. 
Wonderful name, but that's what he was called, Crowfoot. And Crowfoot was, uh, they had conversations and they had, you know, meetings together time and time again. And eventually this Indian chief, who was the chief of all chiefs, said, yes, you can build your railway line through our land. And so they started the process. And when he said yes, the Canadian, uh, Canadian they called it the Canadian, um, Canadian Pacific Railway. I don't know if they still call it that. For those who are from Canada might know. But when they, when they um, okayed that, and when Chief Crowfoot okayed it, what they did was they gave him a, a lifetime uh, railway pass. He could travel on the railway line when it was built anytime for free. The truth is, to his dying day, he took it with great pride. He put it in a little leather pouch, hung it around his neck until he died. He never used it once. And sometimes I think he, he, he honoured it, he respected it, he, he, he had it on, around his neck all his life, for the rest of his life. And I think sometimes we have the promises of God, we, we respect them, we know they're there, but folks, we never engage in them, we never use them because we're too busy living a life of independence, independent of our Heavenly Father. And we never take up the promises... We don't know the promises sometimes to take them up. And I would challenge you today that God has got promises for you in life that can help you to stand so strong and so secure because his promise is yes and amen to us. So let's take for a second. I don't want to be like, a, like the Indian chief who cherished what he had but never used it. And you may cherish the word of God. You may cherish the truths of God. You may cherish the promises of God, but you never use them. And uh, I reckon that's a shame. Let's not become familiar. You know, the first, the, the promise that I needed that fateful day in the midst of my little struggle, and it wasn't a massive, but I use it to illustrate the point, was just the promise of his peace. Do you know what it says in Scripture? It says in John 14, 27, peace. Jesus says this. He says, peace, I leave you. I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Notice it's not our peace. It's his peace. My peace I give to you. So often when we're walking through life, we try and generate our own level of peace. You know, the stress or the concerns we have, or just somehow we try and generate peace. You know, and that's where people get addictive behaviors happening. Isn't that true? I just need peace. And if I just dull the pain enough, I'll get peace. Jesus hasn't got that type of peace. He doesn't dull the pain. He just gives you something so you can manage what you have to face. His peace. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The world, the world gives you happiness. God gives you joy. You know, there's a difference, isn't there? Let, your heart not be, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Here's the promise. Peace. His promise of peace. And you know, uh, peace can mean uh, many definitions of peace, but I love this thought, simple words, ceasefire. Ceasefire. Peace can mean ceasefire. And don't we all need that place where there is a, a stopping of the continual bombardment upon our emotional lives? Isn't there a place where we just need, a, we need to cease? Something needs to stop on that continual bombardment of, that attacks our peace or the emotional areas of our life and we have emotional turmoil and, and, and levels of stress. Now, while the stress sometimes can be good, they tell us, doctors, it, it, unhealthy stress levels can be 
can be so damaging that it can kill us. And so we've got to just sometimes come to that point of realizing that I just want to someone stop the turmoil and the ceasefire. I just want peace. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, I just want peace. I want to God promises us peace. You know, um, one of the interesting things is I just researched the whole thought of peace. Um, psychologists and doctors better than myself and have come up with the very thing that provides the best peace for humanity. They said, this will provide, this is the first thing that you need to have if you're going to have peace. I found it interesting. This is from a worldly perspective, but still it has, it has um, claret in what it says. It says that the thing, the first thing that it needs to engage in for us huma huma humanity is social engagement to have peace. Because it talks about the best strategy for keeping ourselves feeling calm and at peace they say it was because the central nervous system is connect, connects the brain to the sensory receptors, our eyes, our ears, our face, our heart. And social interacting with another person starts to bring the elements where we see a person, we feel that person maybe, maybe confirming us or affirming us or encouraging us in the midst of what we're facing. We have a person interacting with us and maybe even crying with us or uh, identifying with us. And what happens is when that happens, they say, it actually lifts the burden of struggle and stress off our hearts and gives us some element of peace. Isn't that interesting? Because God says the very same thing. God says, if you would interact with your heavenly Father in communication and relationship, He says, I'll give you peace as well. I find that encouraging, don't you? In actual fact, what psychologists have invented and, and, and described about social interaction is what God always had. Because the Word of God says that, you know, a brother is uh, made for adversity. Isn't that true in Proverbs? So that when we connect with other people, we find that there can come peace. And that's why God has established the children of the family of the living God. Isn't that wonderful? One of the things is that we can support each other and help each other. I want to tell you, a burden shared certainly is a burden halved. In actual fact, 1 Peter 5.7 says this. It says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Now, we know that verse. I reckon a third of the people, at least he could quote it to me. But we've got to do it. Because in the midst of sometimes the struggle and the issues and the, the things, we never cast it. We actually can, can keep it to ourselves. Not wanting to, but we, we, we hold the fear. We hold the, the concern. We, we hold the, the anxiety in our own lives. And it's not a time to hold it. It's a time to cast it, isn't it? And, and if we would communicate and allow him to do and do that with our heavenly Father, we would find that the peace that we feel, that we would, um, the peace that we would, that we want to have, I should say, and the anxiety that we feel, the stress that we feel, God says, I just want to bring peace in there, and I find it's interaction. It seems like a simple answer, but it's God's answer. Casting all your cares, casting all your concerns. Jeremiah says an interesting thing about our oh God. It just says, For I know the thoughts, this is God speaking through Jeremiah. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of what? Peace. 
God's thoughts towards you are peace because he knows when you have peace, you function the best. You can live life at the highest level when you walk in peace. Peace, having peace does not mean that you are without struggles. It's just that you can live in the midst of those things of life because who knows, the, the rain falls on the good and the bad. We're all going to face our good and bad times, aren't we? But our Heavenly Father says that you can have peace. Peace. And it says, my thoughts towards you, God's thoughts towards you this morning are not evil thoughts, they're thoughts of peace. I want to give you a future and I want to give you a hope. And then it says, here's the key, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. If, if me talking to some other person about what I'm facing, someone I trust like Michelle or whoever it may be, uh, if, and it relieves my peace, what more will I do if I start to talk to God about it? And I start to let him have it. And actually says, he will, if we call upon him and pray, he will listen to us. Do you know there's no prayer that you ever pray that God closes his ears? Because the promise of God is he's always listening and his thoughts are towards you, are peace. He says, casting your cares, I'll listen. I think, how familiar do we get sometimes? And, and how, do, how often do we go through life facing every little issue and struggle and forget the reality that our Heavenly Father wants to provide peace for us? And we never walk in it, we never live by it because we're just, oh, I'll get through this. Because we become familiar. I think some of us have become um, familiar with living at a certain level of stress. And that becomes the norm until we get a bigger problem and then that becomes the norm. And all the time we're going through life, our heart is going at 100 miles an hour. We're struggling with, with you know, a whole bunch of issues and problems. You know, rapid heart, you know, um, concerns, anxiety, sleeplessness, don't eat properly, all those things. And, we, and that seems normal for us. And I want to tell you, God wants to bring you back to his normal, which is total peace. Because the promises of God are yes and Amen. Here's another one. The promise of his presence. You may say, well, what good will that do? What good will the promise of his presence be? We've been singing about it this morning. Sometimes we sing about the realities of these things, but do we live them? Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, be strong. This is God speaking to Joshua. Moses is dead. Now Joshua has taken up the mantle of leadership to lead the people out of the wilderness into the promised land. And God speaks to Joshua and says, Be strong and of good courage and do not fear, nor be afraid of them. Who's the them? All the enemies that they have to conquer. All the Canaanites and the Vegemites and whoever else they had to conquer. God was speaking to um, Joshua and said, Come on, don't be afraid of him. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor... That famous statement, even we sang this morning, He'll not leave you nor forsake you. His presence goes with us. Has it changed since the Old Testament days? No, it hasn't changed. In those times, Joshua will face times where he has to face the enemy. It's interesting, this passage, this verse, because if I had written it, maybe I would have written it a little different and I would have said, be strong and of good courage and do not fear and do not be afraid because I will destroy your enemy. Wouldn't that be great? And I'm sure that at times God did that, but that's not what God said. And I think, God, when you think about it, that'd be so much easier. God goes before us, destroys the enemy, walk into the promised land, everything's settled, we just go and take it. That'd be brilliant. 
<laughs> no problem, no fuss, no enemy to deal with. But God doesn't say that. He says, be of strong and good courage. Don't fear or be afraid because I am with you. And if you drill down and think about that for a moment, I think God always wants us to live in the realm that we would trust him. And that we, you know, because I've discovered that as I go through life, that sometimes when everything's laid on a platter for me, everything just is done so easily. Because of human nature, I wish this wasn't the case. And you know what? When we get to trust God, I think this might be the case. But, but the reality is everything was just rosy and everything went well. I mean, you know, unfortunately, human nature has proven itself time and time again that we have a tendency to leave God out of the picture. But when we walk through life and you know, we've got this mound, this, whole, this problem, this road bump we've got to get over, this struggle we've got to get over, I find that God at those times wants to willingly and wants to reveal, have the opportunity to reveal his presence to you. His presence in the midst of it. And while he, he you know, and I've discovered that when I have his presence, there's a couple thing he, things he promises in his presence. He promises this, in your presence is fullness of joy. There's also, in, in right hand of pleasures evermore, then in Acts 3.6, repent therefore be converted that the sins may be blotted out. And uh, so that times of what? Refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so God wants the opportunity in your life today, tomorrow, this week, to reveal himself to you in the midst of what you may face and in, in bring refreshing into your heart and bring joy in the midst of your struggle. I think that's incredible that our Heavenly Father, and I got a sneaky suspicion that's why he doesn't destroy every enemy, because he wants the opportunity for to show him and reveal himself to you. Now, are you saying that God, are you saying this morning, James, that God actually does bad things to us? No, not at all. Often the, the, the bad things that happen can be one of two reasons, is it's just life, or it can be the consequences of our wrongdoing. But God in his graciousness always says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you in that. I think, how good is our God? He wants to bring refreshing. He wants to bring strength. He wants to bring help. There's a man called Walter Chrysler. And you guessed it. He's the guy who founded Chrysler Motor Company. And Walter Chrysler is an interesting character. He, was not, he, he would come across in the building of the company, in the manufacture of the Chrysler motor car, you can appreciate there was problems on a daily basis. And there was things he feared and there's things he was concerned about. But what he, he learned to do was he'd take those concerns and problems that came into his office, he'd write them on a piece of paper and he'd put them in a little box on his desk and leave them there. And he mentally had trained himself, to, once they were in the box, not to let worry consume him. So he'd go through the week and he'd deal with everything and he'd go through it and just deal with it as it come up. And, and then at the, 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 following, the start of the following week, he'd open up the box and he'd get all the problems that he wrote the week before. And as he'd read them, he'd realize one of two things, that either they were never a problem really and they came to nothing. Or number two, that they were resolved. And I was thinking, gee, I'd like a box like that. 
But I've come to the understanding that I don't need a box like that, folks, because we have a heavenly father like that. Not that he's going to resolve everything, but he just gives you in the midst of what you, you want. He, sometimes we say, well, God, deal with this or deal with that or deal with that person or deal with that situation. And God never does. And you think, well, God, you're not listening. No, he is listening. If you would just allow, acknowledge his presence, he would give you joy and refreshing in the midst of what you face so you could face it with so much more strength. And in the process, we don't become familiar with our Heavenly Father. We become dependent upon Him and walk with Him. And so that He can guide us. We don't need a box, folks. We've got our great God. They mightn't, he mightn't resolve every issue, but He gives us the power and ability to resolve the issue because of His strength within us. His presence goes with us. The promise of His presence. Here's the last one, the promise of His provision. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetedness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here is the New Testament version of the Deuteronomy verse. But whoever wrote Hebrews, many think Paul, but it's the one book in the New Testament we're not totally sure who wrote, but we'll say Paul. Paul writes this, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. You know what Paul's really saying here in these opening lines of this verse? He says, let your lifestyle not be greedy or materialistic. Is that true? Don't live a life of greed and materialism. Don't, let your, don't always wanting what the Joneses have got. Don't live your life um, always, oh, I've got to have the next best thing. And it's very easy in this nation to sometimes live with that realm because, you know, the next iPhone, the next computer, the next bit of technology, the next big television, you can have, you know, uh, you can have uh, flat screen, curved screen, you can have all of it. And, and what Paul is saying here is, come on, don't, don't live in a materialistic world. You live in a materialistic world, but don't let it consume you. So Paul's saying that. Now, what's that got to do with the promise of provision well then it goes on to say it almost seems that the second part of the verse is is out of place in relation to what he said in the first part of the verse because he says then i will never leave you nor forsake you but this is the thought that paul's trying to translate to us or give us a revelation of god is saying there is sufficient resource when i when you realize and acknowledge that i never leave you nor forsake you that's the bottom line when you realize that I'm there for you, if God's presence is perpetual, if God's presence is always there, then so will be his necessity, so will be the necessities of life. Therefore, the crucial necessity is our abiding relationship with God and not our material possessions. Our perpetual necessity, Paul is saying, is not the material possessions, it's our abiding relationship with him, because out of the abiding relationship with him, he does meet all our needs according to his riches in heaven. Does that mean we give up work and we sit at home and watch television 24-7? No, we do need to work. We do need to apply ourselves. We need to do all those things. But I just want you to know that God is our provision. He provides for us. And you know, sometimes the materialistic world that we live in will try and dictate to us and say, this is what you need, this is what you have. When God says, I am, the, I am really the first, and first, the first base that you need to, to run to. Me, my presence, my provision is there. Matthew 6, 
has an interesting passage. It says, Therefore, don't worry, come on, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Does that, does that mean, does that dismiss us from working? No, not at all. For, but it's just saying, don't worry about those things. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But here we go, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. In other words, the, the, his, his presence will bring his provision as it will bring his peace. His provision, his, his, his provision for us, he owns a, cattle, a, a, thousand, a lot of cattle on a thousand hills, or whatever the verse says. He's an incredible provision. We don't have to worry. We just have to make sure that we maintain that presence and acknowledge him and walk in that because provision comes out of that. Jesus actually says these words in Matthew's gospel here. And what he's saying is that worry is irrelevant and it's even disrespectful to God. Because when you worry and when you consume yourself with what I haven't got, I should have this, or how are we going to live, or how are we going to do this, you're actually saying to God, I'm really not trusting you. And if there's one thing God wants us to do is to trust him. Trust him with all our hearts. Darling, you're so much more pretty than me. And everybody will look at you and not what's been said. Does anybody love this little beautiful little girl? Does anybody like her? <laughs> Could you point out your mum? Oh, th- where is she? Anywhere? No? Oh, there she is. Oh, here we go. Do you want to go to mummy? Here we go. Oh, no, not that direction. <laughs> She'll find them. I'm going to say, God, if you continually focus and look and read, you'll see that God's peace, God's presence, God's provision are promises that you can live on. And you know, it's easy for us to sit in a church and everything maybe is okay. But you know, tomorrow we're going to face work and we're going to face life. And I want to tell you, that's the time when we just need to hold on to his promises. Because I just don't want to sing it, I want to live it. Whenever I go away overseas, I always end up having some different struggles. And that's fine because it gives me great opportunity to talk about how life isn't all a bed of roses for me. <laughs> and um, when I was coming back from the Philippines this time, um, I think I made a mistake on booking my flights, to be honest. I haven't confessed this to anybody, but I think I might have. And the mistake was that I didn't want to sit in Manila International Airport for hours and hours on end waiting for our flight. And so I booked the domestic flight from the island of Leyte to the island of Luzon, which is where the Manila International Airport, with only four hours in between. Now, generally in Australia, four hours between a domestic flight and an international flight is enough time. Would you agree? Well, please forgive me all my Filipino brothers and sisters, but not in the Philippines. So Greg and I sat in Tarkloban Airport for three and a half hours because that's how long, that's how late the flight was out of Tarkloban. Three and a half hours late. So we got to Manila Airport 
when the plane was leaving to Australia. We turned up at the desk just about on seven, didn't we? And they'd closed the checkout desk down. You can appreciate the levels of, I thought we handled it okay, yeah, not too bad, but I didn't let Greg know of all the feelings I had, because he would have thought, is he really the pastor of the church? <laughs> for, the sake of, for the sake of example, I need to look at peace here. No, no it wasn't so bad, but you were pretty good. You didn't show any signs of anxiety, really. Anyway... I had this funny feeling that the reality was that we were going to miss our flight. And I never confessed it, but what Greg and I did was we just took the next step, the next step, the next step. And the next step for us was to jump on the flight when it finally turned up and fly to Manila. We got there. The next step after that was to jump on a bus and go from the domestic airport to the international airport. It took about 20 minutes. We got there. The next step is when we got there and we found that Qantas, I should say, had closed and the flight had been completed and we found out that they'd been calling our names, that it was, finally, it was no good, we're not going to catch our flight to Brisbane or to Sydney. And so we, what was the next step? We went to the customs office, um, to the customer service office and we said, can you help us? We've just missed our flight. And they said, no problem, go to Qantas office. I said, where's that? Four flights, they said. They said the fourth floor. For some reason, I don't know why they said the fourth floor, because it just didn't seem to be four floors up. But we ran up there, and after numerous asking, probably about three people, we finally found in a series of corridors the Qantas office. We walked into the Qantas office, and there was levels of anxiety and concern and worry, and there was like, God, are you really with us? Now, I didn't, I didn't kind of say that, but it was one of those kind of thoughts again that came to me. In the midst of our struggle, God, are you really there? And I say all that to say this, because for probably, you know, that three and a half hours, once again, my fears had come upon me. We'd missed our flight. I'd been away from home for a little while. I wanted to be home. Can you appreciate that? I'd had enough. Greg had only been seven days, and he was keen to get home. I'd been kind of more than that. So I was, and, and then I thought, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, one of the concerns I had was, how can we possibly rebook over $1,500 worth of tickets that we've just lost? Because I haven't got any money to do that. And Greg, in the immediate situation, kind of voiced that to me as well, that he didn't have that kind of finance to pay straight away to book, rebook all the flights. So there was a concern. That, God, what, how are you going to work this one out? So we got to the Qantas office, and, we, and, to, and without a lie, we stood at the desk, and we, within probably 30 seconds, we explained our situation and the Qantas man on the other side, and it was so good to see a man dressed in a Qantas uniform, believe me. He was Filipino, but he was Australian to me. He looked so good. And he said this to me, basically, paraphrase, he says, no problem, we just rebook it Friday. So I'm thinking, oh, two days, time. He said, same flights, same everything, we'll rebook it. I said, for free? He said, yeah, no problem, we just rebook it. I said, really? I couldn't. I asked him a couple of times, are you sure about this? You're gonna, Qantas is actually going to give us free flights from Manila to Sydney, Sydney to Brisbane, Brisbane to Gladstone? He says, not a problem, we'll handle it right now. Within 25 minutes, he had, we had tickets in our hands, and we walked out of there, and I said, Father, you're an incredible provision. Because I don't know if Australian Qantas would do that. But Filipino Qantas does. Hallelujah for Filipino Qantas. I want to just... So Greg and I, 
went back, went to a, found a motel that we had frequented before. We hung around for two days. Unfortunately, everything closes down over Easter in the Philippines, so we couldn't go to the mall. We couldn't, but they keep everything else open and like the little side alley streets. And we went through there, had a ball, and uh, we ate Jolly Bee, and uh, and uh, it's good stuff, isn't it? It's it's actually it's as good as McDonald's. No, no, it's good. Um, and uh, we ate fried chicken and enjoyed ourselves from Jolly Bee. And finally, we're home and everything went okay. Do you know, I just want to say that, you know, in the midst of that, there were some levels of anxiety I had about all that. I've never missed an international flight. Has anybody ever missed an international flight? You can relate, right? Eh? My sister, it must be in the family. <laughs> but, um, you know, the reality is, is that we sometimes wonder where God is in the midst of that. And God, if you were there, why did this happen to me? And God's saying, I've always been there, but circumstances that I've, uh, you know, it's happened. So don't get upset. The reality is I'm still there and I can work in the midst of it. Isn't that good news? And he can give his peace. He can give, make sure his presence and he can give his provision. Church, let's be encouraged this morning. Maybe this morning you're facing that very reality of just wondering where our Heavenly Father is. I tell you, He has not left us nor forsaken us. Can we stand this morning in His clothes? Next time I ever go to the Philippines again, it'll be um, eight hours between domestic and international. But you know, our God is able. I've often said this in life. When I'm facing a struggle, I'll do the possible and let God do the impossible. And that's what I've found throughout life. When we, we continually, His provision, His peace, His presence is always there. And if we do the possible in life, we just do, with, we can do it in peace, do it in joy and ref, an element of a God, you're there. So often He'll take a hold and bring us through. This morning, I just didn't want to invite the musos back just quickly. That'd be great. Thanks, guys, as we close. What are our trust levels like today? You know what? They might be fairly low trust levels in God. And that's fine, because all God asks of us today is that would you just, He just wants you to take the next step in trusting Him. Maybe today you're looking down a tunnel of life and it's not, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a bit black. But he just wants you to take the next step and trust him. The next step. The next door that he opens for you because he'll open and close them. Maybe some of you are here and you've already come through that, those struggles and you've seen God's provision. Well, you need to praise him. But maybe you're not like that today and you've come through and you're still facing it and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But all there is is a promise that God is always there with you. And what we're just here this morning, I wonder if I could just pray with you. And you're saying, God, maybe for your family member or for your child or for your parents or, or for some person you love, that there's just darkness all surrounding that situation. Something you've been believing for for a long time and there just seems to be no answer. Maybe in your health this morning, there just seems to be things that are ongoing. 
maybe today it's a relationship that's gone bad and you just wish it was restored and, and you just wish it was right again. And Well, here's an opportunity this morning just to lift it up to God and say, Father, take it this morning. Today, God, I'm just going to remember again that you're there in your presence and you want to provide your peace and that you want to provide your provision. And today, I, I'm just behind my hand is just again, I'm just saying I'm just trusting you. Father, I hand it over. I cast my care this morning. If that's you, I'd love you to lift your hand and say, pray with me. I'm not necessarily praying for you, but pray with you and stand with you because I have the struggles as well sometimes. I need prayer. If you're saying, Father, here it is. Come on, you just lift your hand to him this morning. Let your heart be open and receptive. I want to just pray. My prayer isn't more powerful than yours, but together, corporately, we can stand together and declare it, that God is our victor. Father, today, you see behind every hand is a heart that's got an issue, a struggle, a family member, something that's happened. Father, we thank you that you're the God that promises it for the yes and the amen to us this morning. Father, for those family members we want to see come to Christ, we're believing, we declare it again over their lives, and we thank you. For that financial struggle that's happening right now, I pray that, Father, that your blessing, that people will learn just to be givers and that you'll be their provision, Father. For those people in relationships that have just gone bad, Father, I pray what you'll give them keys to what they should do, Lord, and how they should just, what they should do in seeing that re relationship restored. Father, for your hand and your presence has not left them and not left us, and we thank you for that this morning. And we would pray, God, that you'd have undertake. Today, we cast our cares. We give you our concerns, and we pass them on to you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. God, that you are the God that cares for us, and you're the God that has, is the God of great promise. Yes and amen to us this morning, and we would stand by, not necessarily yes about all answers we want for life, but yes about your presence never leaving us nor forsaking us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Father, we give you the situations. We pass them over. Let your peace prevail. Your provision come about. And your presence never leaves us. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, we give you all the honor and all the praise. And everyone who agreed said, amen this morning. Come on. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning.